0: Welcome to the Christian Renewal Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit christianrenewalhhi.org. So this is the this is the kind of attack you may get in in words and in attitude and uh, it's mild. Will it get worse? Probably. John 15, verse 20, Jesus said this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master? If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I, I kind of take that as a gauge. Uh, the more godly life that you live, the more persecution you invite. The more we're like the world, the less we get persecuted even in the mild way. So, you know, uh, godliness, uh, the light. You know, I've already said that uh, people are like bugs. You know, we're to to shine our light. And, you know, when you flip on a light in the middle of the summer, the bugs, they come to the light. But there are other bugs that don't like the light. You pull up a a rock or a log out in the woods. So the brighter you shine, Yeah, you're going to have an effect in your world and we need to keep shining. But there's always those, religion, you see, always got a rock in its hand. See? Or a word in their mouth, their opinion of your self-righteous, actually being convicted, like hot coals coming upon their head. That's what your light has upon the devilish world. But those that are... Chosen of God, those that are seekers of God will be drawn to your light. So, how do we handle persecution? Well, we'll see how the apostles did it as we go through this chapter. All right, I want to look at uh, now at verse 19. Uh, let's see, I read verse 17. But the high priest rose up along with his so- associates, which is the sect of the Pharisees, and they were filled with jealousy. They were bo- The word there means to boil. It means to be hot. And they laid hands on the apostles and they put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Now, here's our deliverance. I like it. The angel opened up the prison doors. Not only did he open up the prison doors, but you see later, he closed them and locked them again. You know, because... Well, we'll read on in just a minute. These angels, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, they are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of us. Usins, usins, and ewins. those that inherit salvation and this activity of angels i've noticed uh in the as i've read the bible and as i read the, the old testament and the new testament you see the activity of angels increase in critical times in history so as, as you're reading through the bible you come to uh the time when jesus is going to be born and suddenly boom you see testimonies of angels uh you know the wise men the the joseph uh, getting in vision of an angel uh, you've got Elizabeth. You've got Mary. You've got a lot of spiritual activity going on because we're dealing with God in the body of a helpless babe. Amen. Needed all the protection that it could get. And so there was a lot of angelic activity. Now, the the angels, as you know, uh, we partner with them in the will of God. We need to be aware... Of the angelic assistance that we have as we do the will of God, uh, many times people, you know, when I'm ministering. Matter of fact, this just happened in Thailand last week. When when I'm ministering, especially when healing gifts and miracles are happening in a meeting, and I finally shut up preaching and the Holy Spirit can, you know, have some time, uh, people usually see three big angels behind me helping me, ministering, healing healing gifts yeah and this on more than one occasion people have seen these three angels with me and uh i i, I call them curly larry and mo i don't know if they'll appreciate it but that you know i've been naming them but you know all through history angels have worked with men whether it was elijah whether it was moses and even in our day bill Branham and others uh the, let me read a verse of scripture to you out of exodus chapter 23 about partnering and ministering with angels and how involved angels are in the will of God and the ministry of God on the earth. And this is something that God said to Moses in verse 20. He said, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way to bring you to the place I have prepared. Now this angel was before the entire nation of Israel as they were going through the wilderness. Listen to verse 21. I like this. Pay attention to him. And listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. God was using this angel to be a communications liaison with Moses, who is not yet a New Testament born again believer. You see, when, when, you, when you hear the voice of God in here it's the Holy Spirit. But many of you probably experienced hearing, it seemed like you heard him with these ears, your external ears, or it was just so loud. I've had a couple, how many have had a couple times like that where you kind of, you felt like you heard the voice of God audibly? Yeah. I, I find that that's usually an angelic activity. That's usually an angel That's speaking into this realm because the Holy Spirit for the born again man, he's speaking in here. But in Moses case, he was getting communications through an angel and God was telling him, pay attention to him and listen to what he says. He said, if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. He was a warring angel for them. He was a protecting angel for them, as well as a guiding angel for them. And this is how the Lord worked to communicate with Moses. And so as you're doing the will of God, or, or even, even when you get into a, uh, a dangerous situation, I, I've heard these stories many times. People that in a in an emergency situation, bam, would hear a voice that say, turn here, turn left, turn right, do this. How many have heard stories like that? Usually that is your protecting angel giving you some information, boom, that you need right now. Right. I, I, in my mind, I can, I can remember a story I heard a long time ago. There was a, a, a large uh, airliner that crashed, and the, the, the plane itself broke in two. And, of course, there was all kinds of disaster going on, and people died on that plane. But this one Christian, he heard a voice and said, look up and go up. And he looked up, and there was a crack in the airplane that he climbed up and went through, and he survived. And it was just a voice of an angel that was his protection. And so we have a partnership in the will of God, but we also, there's a partnership for my protection and your protection. The angels of the Lord encamp round about those that fear the Lord, that fear Him. I've been telling my kids that for years. I tell them the extraordinary favor is upon your life, and you are surrounded with angels all the rest of your life. Amen. Okay, Dad. You know, this. So they're there for our deliverance. Now, let's come to, uh, they, they delivered uh, the apostles. By the way, we're not sure how many apostles were thrown into prison. Maybe all of them. It doesn't say Peter and John, it just says the apostles. So it may have been a number of them, a dozen of them have been cast into the jail. And uh, then they were freed, go and speak. See, they, they, they went and obeyed. Uh, this angel was used of the Lord to bring instruction them and uh, verse 21 upon hearing this they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach they turned right back around and they didn't miss a step they're going to continue to obey the lord regardless of the persecution against them now when the high priest and his associates came they called the council together okay now here we got the the high priest who was a sadducee uh, and the rest of the sadducees party within the uh, sanhedrin and they called the rest of the sanhedrin together even all the senate of the sons of israel and sent orders to the prison for them to be brought okay so here we got all the religious leaders coming together this is going to be quite an intimidating situation really but the officers who came did not find them in the prison and they returned and reported back this is embarrassing So, guys, where's your prisoner? (laughs) And they found the prison house locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors. But when they opened it up, they found no one inside. And when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching the people then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned and when they brought them they stood them before the council the high priest questioned them saying we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching now that that could have been seen as a um, as a compliment <laughs> to them. You have filled. I mean, they've been obeying the Lord, and they've been filling Jerusalem with this teaching. You know what? You know if if if, if we got that accusation coming from the governor of this area, Christian Renewal Church, you have filled the island with your teaching. Thank you. <laughs> Well, this, this is what the accusation against him. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon our heads, he said. Let's see. Let me find my place. We gave you strict orders. Now, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Okay? Now, here I want to talk a little bit about civil disobedience. There is a time for it and a time when God approves of it. Uh, the Bible, of course, instructs us to obey civil authority. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. First Peter chapter 2 says, Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake for every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him. God has set up human government for the order of the earth. He's the one that has set up things the way they are in the marriage, the way they are in society, and the way they are in church. God's a God of order. He's a God of authority and delegated authority. And so with these systems that we have, they are approved of God Is what God has ordained for us. Now, but there is a time for civil disobedience. And this is when the government's laws are in direct violation of God's laws. You have the responsibility to rebel there, or to, dis- to disobey, I should say. Uh, in the Nuremberg trials, in, uh, the attorneys for the Nazi war criminals attempted to use the defense that their clients were only following the direct orders of the government and therefore could not be held responsible for their actions. However, one of the judges just missed this argument with this simple question. But gentlemen, is there not a law above our laws? Amen. And of course the answer is yes. There is a law above the law of men that supersedes the law of men. And we Christians, we bow to the highest The reason I bring this up is because when I'm in China, people say, how can you disobey? If I obey Chinese authority, uh, I would be in direct disobedience to the highest authority. My my allegiance, not that I have much of an allegiance to, to cloth... Uh, You know, I don't, but it represents something. My allegiance is first to this flag before it's to that flag. And they may put me in jail for saying that. See? We have a higher allegiance, and that is to the kingdom of God. Now, and so we have in the Scripture many examples of civil disobedience. Uh, The midwives in Exodus chapter 1. Pharaoh commanded them to kill all male Jewish babies. That's the command from authority. But it says here that the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. And on top of that, the midwives lied to Pharaoh. Even though they lied and disobeyed their government, God was good to the midwives, as Scripture says, and the people multiplied and became very mighty because the midwives feared God. He established households for them. Then we see Moses' mother. She defied Pharaoh's authority by hiding Moses. We see Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. Rahab directly disobeyed the command from the king of Jericho. She hid the Israeli spies And then she planned and executed their escape. She was in total rebellion against her government. She lied against her government, yet is honored by God in the Scripture. Daniel records several examples. In chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the golden idol in disobedience to King Nebuchadnezzar's command. In chapter 6, Daniel defied King Darius' decree not to pray to anyone other than the king. In both cases, God rescued his people from the death penalty that was imposed, signaling his approval of their civil disobedience. Mary and Joseph, they became refugees, defying Roman law in order to keep that baby safe. Now, when I'm in China, I lie to the government. I'm a liar. I lie to the government. I illegally print and supply illegal Christian material. I hold illegal Christian meetings. I don't show up at the police station when they call for me to come in. I defy their authority by preaching the gospel of Jesus. And if I obey them, I would be in direct disobedience to the highest authority that's telling me to preach the gospel. Take that, devil! Alright, so there, there is a time, there is a time for civil disobedience. Now, listen, you can be disobedient and yet have the attitude of submission. You understand that? There are things I'm not going to obey, but yet I have a submissive attitude to the governments that are giving me permission to be in their country. You know, I'm, I am not some radical r- rebellion, I'm not trying to start up a rebellion in China. And it's the same way uh, in your marriage. You know, you, you have a higher law than perhaps what your spouse may be asking of you, and you can remain submitted in attitude, but disobedient to your husband. Just thought I'd throw that out there. and just So it's a wrong idea that you would so obey the authorities over your life so as to violate the law of God we don't have that liberty you know prostitution is legal in Las Vegas I believe but it's not legal for you <laughs> we live by a higher law amen okay that's the civil disobedience we see here in the apostles when they said we will obey God rather than man now look in uh, verse 30 Peter continues to speak. He said, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given for those who obey him. 26 and one half seconds that's all it took him to say that i I, i've tested it and it was true i i just confirmed it 26 and a half witness of the gospel that's all it took that's all they needed what i want to say to us here and about your witness is we should be able to give our witness in 26 seconds Give a gospel synopsis in 26 seconds. Sometimes that is more powerful than you trying to do a dissertation on justification and redemption. And, you know, just a word, 26 seconds long, will impact a life when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and you're yeah. speaking by the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. So, I, I want to exhort you to do just exactly that. That don't feel like you have to take, you know, corner somebody for a half hour and try to stick the gospel in them. Sometimes just a word. an example, you know, when things are going on in your workplace or things going on in the circle that maybe you're involved in and somebody's mouthing off and they're saying, ah, I don't believe all that God stuff or I don't believe miracles or I don't believe. And, and all you got to do is say, I do. You've planted your foot. I do. And sometimes just that can have so much power in it. It can scatter darkness. So I want to encourage you in 26 second witnesses in your life. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. 26 seconds. All right. Now, after they heard this, Verse 33, but when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. See what that 26 seconds did? Bam! It was truth, and they intended to kill them. All right? So they're getting ready to execute these apostles. That was their plan. Well, they executed Jesus. They knew how to get it done. This is what religion will do. Religion will kill the prophets. Religion will kill the Messiah. Religion will wants to kill these apostles. But here, a voice of reason speaks up and becomes their deliverance. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders and put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody and a group of about 400 men joined up with him, but he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God... You will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. And so this Pharisee, who's not a Christian, speaks up a very respected man, and they followed his influence, they followed his life, and this, this spared them from death. They took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. And they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now, These verses here, verses 40 to 42, when they flogged them, to most men, a public whipping would produce shame and disgrace. Did anybody ever get swatted in school? I was. Just, I bet you did, didn't you, John? You're a bad boy. I only got swatted once, and of course it was not my fault. I was defending myself in a spitball fight in, uh, in English class. I got sick and tired of these spitballs hitting the back of my head, so I just picked one up and I threw it back, and the teacher saw me. I wasn't very good at rebellion. <laughs> uh, so I got caught, and they put me out into the hall, and along came one of the male teachers from down the hall, and... He brought the Swiss cheese with him, man. He brought, wham! I mean, you could hear it echo through the whole school in the hallways. And I came in, I remember when I came in, I was, I could hold back my tears, man. I was ashamed. I was disgraced. I, I couldn't even look up at my classmates or anybody else. That was the impact that a SWAT had on me. Now, here, these guys took a flogging, and you would think, and, and I think the the rulers of the Jews were thinking we could disgrace them enough that they would say, hey, this gospel preaching stuff is just too hard. It's costing me too much. And it's been too much of a disgrace. And that they would stop doing it. But it had the exact different effect. <laughs> they continued to preach and teach. But here was their response. This is This is the response... I've got I to admit to you, I, I really struggled, you know, as I thought, i got to finish chapter five, and it is this last concept that their response to that was they rejoiced and counted themselves worthy to suffer this for the sake of Christ. And I kind of went, And eh, you know, when we suffer an injustice, when I suffer an injustice, I get angry isn't that your response you know i that that's that's what happens to me uh if someone were to throw a rock at me or call me a moron for witnessing you know i would want to retaliate that's in the flesh uh if i got sued in court for my christmas decorations and i had to award fifty thousand dollars for somebody's distress at looking at my nativity scene i'd be a little put out I'd be unhappy with the injustice, but here these apostles felt honored to be dishonored. Are you get, do you get this? I don't get this. <laughs> but, but here, you know, to me it was like, you know, these, these protesters, you know, that chain themselves to a tree and they wear their arrest like, uh, uh and their mugshot like a badge of honor. They were proud to have been associated with the likes of Jesus Christ and the prophets of old. This is what Jesus said to them in Matthew 5. He already taught them how to respond. In verse 10 through 12, Jesus said this, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, that is, be cheerful, and be exceeding glad, that is, jump for joy and exalt, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So to be identified with and suffer as Jesus did was an honor to them. But on top of that, the experience of being persecuted comes with a reward. Jesus told these guys, you know, you're going to be cast out, you're going to be insulted, you know, you're going to go in there in this town, and they're going to throw rocks at you and drive you out. He's saying to them, if you could see the reward in heaven you're going to get for this, you'd go back in and get more. (laughs) Because when you cross over and you're rewarded by Christ, for your labors, the reward will so be exceedingly greater than what you suffered in persecution. And so this is the cause for rejoicing. Someone calls you an idiot. Hallelujah. Somebody burns a cross in your front yard. You're supposed to go out in the driveway and dance a little jig. Great is I got a bigger reward. See, I got, I got persecution points, uh, uh, you know, like frequent flyer points. You know, the, the more persecution you get, the greater the reward. You've just been inducted when you get persecuted into the Platinum Persecution Club. That's right. Along with Peter and John and the prophets and Jesus and a host of other great men. And there are special benefits for your frequent persecution points. Greater heavenly reward. So, speak that 26 seconds. Yeah. Matter of fact, before we leave today, um, and I don't want you to do this with your spouse, but uh, take 26 seconds and bring a witness to the gospel to somebody before you leave the building today. Amen. Just, see, just, just for practice. And then, when somebody does that, persecute them. And then that'll give you the opportunity to go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand up together. (laughs) (laughs) My exhortation to you is speak up. It's okay to get persecuted. Hallelujah. Anybody experiencing any persecution lately? Let me see your hand. Anybody? I mean, you're getting, you know, some pressure at work. You know, we don't get all that much. We don't really know a lot about suffering for the name of Christ. You know when, you know, the word witness is the word martyr. I mean, you don't have to die to be a martyr. You don't have to, it's laying down our life. It's laying down 26 seconds makes you a martyr. Right. Yeah. Did, did anybody read my post yesterday on uh, Facebook? Something about, how did that say it? Uh, it was uh, a prophecy by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, You don't want revival, it's going to mess up your schedule, it's going to inconvenience you, it may mess up your reputation. Anyway, it's a good prophecy. <laughs> And oftentimes, you know, we don't want to be inconvenienced, you know. We want to just flow along. And the more worldly we can be, the less persecution we get. But we are called to a higher walk, a walk of holiness, a walk of righteousness. I mean, there's going to be some times you're going to have to say, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to go to those movies. I'm not going to. And you know what? You may get spit on. You may be called self-righteous. That's when you can start rejoicing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be in your kingdom. We're very grateful. We're very grateful your mercy has brought us in. And Lord, we want to live godly. We we want your godliness to shine in our lives regardless of what men think. Regardless of what governments think. We will obey you rather than obey men. And so our lives we lay down. And I ask that you continue to use each one of us in our world to bring that witness of a risen Savior. We're yours. We're your servants. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sunday sermon. Be sure to visit Christian Renewal, for more resources. you can go out the back door. Ladies, there's a restroom in the nursery right here behind us if you need to use that. And then uh, if you want to leave, you can go out this door to this side. But thank you so much. Praise God. He is our healer. Amen.